Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by two of the four Tims in a pod. I'll be speaking to Anthony and Darren, welcome to the show guys. Hiya, how you doing? I'm good Anthony, Darren, welcome to the show, this is your debut. I have my debut, thank you very much for having me. Celtic State of Mind debut and uh, sorry we're late but we had some connectivity issues but we got there and that's why you're faced with a big axe on banner. Um, where are you calling in from guys, you Glasgow based? Yes, I'm Glasgow, Dan, you Hey, 
brilliant. No, it's great to have you on, and I think it's something we can do uh, more and more often. Even maybe once a month, if you fancy, you could come through. Even once we're allowed, and we can uh, we can do a podcast from there. But plenty to talk about. So first and foremost, there's loads of messages coming through on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and we'll get round to those, and we'll get everybody involved as much as possible on this Sunday broadcast. But uh, first and foremost, Anthony, last time you were here, we were reeling a wee bit because obviously. You know, there was the whole issue of the manager, stick or twist. Um, seven games, two wins. Has anything changed in your mind? No. <laughs> when I came on after the, the Celtic Rangers game, I said I thought we should sack Lennon. And I think a lot of people thought it was needier. But I'd base that on a kind of build-up, a kind of poor results in massive games. And that kind of, it's kind of continued on. After that, we lost AC Milan. Uh, the game was done by half-time. Then up at Aberdeen we conceded three, struggled, um, had a decent second half but again didn't get the result we were after. We then looked as though we potentially turned a corner in Lille, went 2-0 up, 25 minutes to go, you could argue game management prevents us from seeing that through. And then beat Aberdeen 2-0 in the last year's Scottish Cup semi-final and then you think this is it, we've turned a corner and then Sparta Prague Reserves beat us 4-1 and you're back into disarray and the fans are all arguing it's just been a, it's been a crazy time it's been really it's, it's hard to explain how bad it's went this season it's been just so inconsistent for a team that have been consistent for 9 years and have won every trophy or the last 11 trophies or whatever it is so I'm still of the same opinion mm. I think we need to replace a manager I think if you look at the big results, especially in Europe, that he's, he's failed to deliver when he should be beating teams has been crazy. Um, I, I mean, see the thing with that as well, Anthony, right, is you come away with uh, an opinion, a view on the matter. I mean, there are two opinions, really. Yeah, you either keep the manager or or you don't and you replace them. But the moment that you have that view, that perhaps Celtic need to make a change to ensure that the success this season that we're all kind of striving for um, is achieved, then you yourself and me and others are criticised, widely criticised and called spoilt and um, entitled and panty wetters and all this kind of stuff. Now, Darren, when you see reactions like that, what's your views? I mean, were you of the same opinion as Anthony or are you... Are you willing to give Neil Lennon more time due to the fact that obviously he has achieved in the past? Um, I keep hearing that, you know, last season after we got beat from Rangers at home, uh, they capitulated and Celtic went on a great run. And people are almost thinking, well, that's going to happen again. There's no guarantees this season, is there? Yeah, definitely no. I'm very much of the same opinion as Anthony. Like, I think, especially with the magnitude of what's at stake. This season, like I, f- I felt we had to make a change. Obviously, we're a good way through a good bit through the international break, and it doesn't look likely. Uh, but I just think there's too many worrying signs, and this uh, you keep hearing people say that uh, the team's going to turn the corner, but like it just seems to be false dawns, and it's it's really worrying because, like you say, people when you dare question uh, making a change of manager, you're accused of being spoiled but I don't think it's being spoiled I think it's wanting to maintain those standards and Celtic have won like they're hoping to complete another treble in December and I think it's no spoiled to want to maintain these standards and keep improving when it looks from like from afar that we've clearly got the uh, best squad in Scotland so uh, for me 
that was down to Lennon like, like the Sparta Prague game I thought was absolutely terrible I thought it was one of the worst European performances I've ever seen uh, with everything that went in it with Sparta Prague not playing domestically the amount of like, so-called reserve players they were playing like the 17 year olds that just Celtic just looked so disjointed and I think that was sort of summed up with with the post-match interview from Callum McGregor who didn't seem to understand what the sort of tactics were and uh, for me we're probably like another another result away from a calamity and possibly a, a title uh, defining calamity I think when you look at the um, the interviews even if you just focus on two interviews this season um, the post-match after the result against Ferenc Varos and then the post-match after Sparta Prague if those interviews hadn't taken place in the way that they had and Neil Lennon hadn't said what he said, then I think I'd have been of a different view. But because after the Ferenc Varos game, he talks about basically agitators in, in the camp, people who are wanting uh, a move away. Uh, Neil Lennon says that after the game. Celtic fans are starting to wonder who is it that wants away? Who's unhappy? Why are they unhappy? Um, is it because Neil Lennon that they're unhappy? And then... You know, it's not because we've been knocked out of Europe that they're unhappy because he spoke about them being unhappy for some time and this had had been bugging them for some time. So it wasn't even as though it was an eject reaction to us getting knocked out of the Champions League. Then after the Sparta Prague game, it comes out. And again, you know, he, he looks at uh, a change in culture at Celtic. And that is the biggest uh, comment that I've heard from Neil Lennon because you don't change the culture overnight. You certainly don't change it from the Sparta Prague game to the Motherwell game. And very often you don't change it with the same management team in place. So if you take the comments from Neil Lennon himself out of the equation, I would be looking back at the performances of last season and before and thinking, well, Neil Lennon can do this, he can pull it through. But those interviews made me believe, Anthony, that he's maybe not got the buy-in. People are maybe not behind him in terms of the actual playing staff. I think he contradicts himself a lot as well. I mean, he says some of these players don't want to be here, it really bugs me. And then didn't they sell anybody? So I, but I, I find that crazy. So now suddenly they all do want to be here. A lot of them don't look that way. They've not performed that way. He then says we need a change of culture um, after Sparta Prague. And then be Motherwell, he says, no, we, somebody asked, are you a crisis? And says, we weren't in a crisis. I mean, mm. that's completely contradictory to say the hunger's not there for the player. I mean, that's the biggest insult you could probably give a professional footballer is there's no hunger, there's no desire. No being good enough is one thing, but no to have the desire to want to be good enough is a completely different thing. And I'm sure that probably hurt a lot of their kind of professional pride. But it's just that Sparta Prague was just another big game. I mean, you see, I hear fads as well, and it, this is a famous cop out. Okay, it's all about the 10 this season. We don't care about it. It's all about mm. the league. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, we're nine points behind in the league, and the team that we're nine points behind are top of the Europa League. And I still think we've got a better squad. So you can't tell me that Europe causes issues. It's no causing issues for the team we're up against. So I think people seem to just look for excuses to defend Lennon. Uh, and I get he's a Celtic legend, he's done a lot for the club. But I think if you look at results, we're going backwards. And we're going backwards at an alarming rate. Motherwell changed absolutely nothing for me. Uh, it was a game we'd expected to win last season. We won 5 1 there and 4 0. Shouldn't have come as a surprise. We managed to turn up and win, whether we're in a bit of a crisis or no. Mm-hmm. I think the way, the way it is now, the Celtic fans are kind of split. I think they rather decide that we should probably sack them. I think so anyway. Um, but I think you're on edge. I think you're just I think you're one result away, poor domestic result away for people turning up at the stadium. 
And people probably go, oh, that's a terrible thing to say. You've just won a treble treble. You're being spoiled. But the treble treble in the last nine years have been built up to ten in a row, and it's of massive importance. This is arguably this club's biggest ever season. And the, stand, uh, the fans are only going to put up for falling further behind in the league. See, when you look at the contradictions that you mentioned, Anthony, I agree with that because on the one hand, we're getting statements along the lines of the, the players aren't hungry, they're lazy, they're lacking desire, there needs to be a culture change. But this is the same team that Neil Lennon spoke about a week earlier saying that they've won 11 trophies. Um, so they know how to win and they know about success and they can get you over the line. So I think that's an issue, a bigger issue than a lack of form because form comes and goes. We're looking at some of the players that uh, we kept in the last transfer window. And there's a few comments coming through. Um, first up is Howard Roark on YouTube, who's asking, will there be any exits in January? This is something I've been thinking about over the last wee while, and in particular after the, the performances of a couple of our players um, the other night for Scotland, Ryan Christie, Callum McGregor, these two guys, again, Christie comes in for a lot of flack, just like James A. Forrest does when he's playing, but he showed the other night, as did Callum McGregor, what they can do um, at, at the highest level. And, you know, Ryan Christie's one of these guys who is often criticised by Celtic supporters um, because it's all about Ryan and he's greedy and um, he's selfish and all these kind of things. But had he not had that selfishness and that greed the other night, then Scotland wouldn't have scored their goal. Now, when you're looking at that, Darren, um, do you feel that anybody in the squad who we were so happy to keep last time round might leave the club in January? Uh, I think we very much, we very well could see a few exits. Uh, like someone you mentioned there, Ryan Christie, obviously he'll be attracting attention because that's another few great performances for Scotland. Uh, he's generally played really well for Celtic the last 18 months. And obviously, it, he's coming up to the end of his contract, got a year and a half left. So, uh, especially if I think if we crash out of the Europa League uh, in the group stage, then you're also going to look at players like Edward Ayer, uh, like players that there's always speculation about. And if Celtic fail to progress, then if a big bid comes in for uh, one of your star players, then the board are going to be uh, really tested to see how strong the resolve is. Because as much as uh, people will claim that the squad needs strengthened. The, the board spent a lot of money in the summer and nobody was sold. Like uh, mm. He didn't have a star player sold to like, sort of budget for it and then then get on to fail to qualify for the Champions League. The board then backed the club again by signing guys like Shane Duffy and Diego Lax out. So uh, I think if, if the money comes in, like you've already well, I've seen some fans even questioning whether we should have sold like, Odds on Edward in the summer. I personally don't think we should have, but if another bid comes in in January, uh, then it's one you're going to have to look at. I think uh, with the Euros coming up as well, you're going to have players who, uh, maybe if they're not getting a, a look in for their country, they might look to move to show themselves on a bigger stage mm. if we don't have European football. And uh, if if there is problems that behind the scenes, uh, as like Sunil like alluded to, with players not wanting to be there, then I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see somebody go. See, I think you make a great point, Dan, and it's going back to what you said, Anthony, in relation to um, how Europe, I've heard a lot, of, a lot of people on the show actually saying Europe's not important, All it's, it's all about the 10. There's a few reasons why Europe is important, and I think Dan has nailed it by saying that if you want to get players that we regard as elite players, you know, Edward Ayer, I don't think we bought him as an elite player, but he's going that way, isn't he, when you're getting interest from AC Milan, they don't want to be playing 
simply on a domestic level when it's when it's Scotland that they're playing in. That, that might satisfy them if they're playing in Spain or Germany or England, but if they're playing in Scotland, that's not going to satisfy them. So every single time a transfer window comes round, on the strength of you being in Europe, is a massive, massive reason and probably one of the biggest criteria for the agent and the player that they would remain. So I, th- I think that's a great point, Anthony, that you made before. Europe is impo- uh, important, but Darren hits the nail on the head there. Without Europe, how can you possibly keep the likes of Odson Edward at the club? Absolutely. Um, just to touch back on whether we'll sell players or not, I mean, the way it's looking enough, we were to win all our games and so are Rangers. Up until we play them in January, they would be 12 points ahead. And if they were to turn us over, which they'd done very easily at Park here again, we would be 15 points behind with three games in hand. The board could may well look at that and go, well, we might not win this league. Season tickets will probably drop if they lose the 10 in such a fashion, I think, with Neil Lennon as a manager. I think a lot of fans would struggle to to commit to season tickets next year, if, if it's maybe, again, a virtual one. And they might say, well, we need to sell somebody in January to cover potential losses that could come in five, six months' time. So I think that's a worry as well. I mean, we, we can't, in a, in a kind of plain regard, I don't think we can afford to sell any of our best players. Even we are best players, we don't really look up to scratch at the minute. But, um, aye, I mean, Odson Edward doesn't want to spend the rest of his career playing against Hamilton St Mirren. He wants to be going toe-to-toe with AC Milan and Lille and probably... At some stage in his career, the likes of Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, etc. Um, Callum McGregor's a European standard player. I mean, I thought he was outstanding for Scotland the other day against one of the kind of highly rated European midfielders in Malinkovo Savage. So he's probably wanting to play at a higher level. Um, there'll be a lot of other players higher. I mean, AC Milan look as though they're qualifying, as he's maybe thinking, but could have been. If I was with them, yeah. as opposed to I'm bottom of the group, looking as though we're going to go it. So, no, I think I think Europe and domestic success go hand in hand. That's why Champions League qualifiers are always so important, because it's that £30 million, and then whatever comes from that, if you can progress, it's money that you can buy better players and then continue to dominate Scotland. The last two years we've not had that money, and as you see, the, the gap's closed with the rest of Scotland on us. I think it's a, it's a huge point, and um, already... You know, Neil Lennon is resigned to the fact that that we're out. And I remember, <clears throat> even when the chips were down, I do recall, you know, thinking back to the days of Martin O'Neill. Um, I, I just don't think that type of uh, response would ever have come from Martin O'Neill. I was looking back actually on another project uh, through some of the old views, and the response that you get from O'Neill was completely different from that because it wasn't over until it was over, as far as he was concerned. And you look at the the Leo performance, probably for sixty minutes until. Ayer went off actually and it was 2 nothing when he went off and uh, obviously we, we lost the 2-0 lead you look at that performance I think that performance is going to improve with age I think we'll look at it at the end of the season and we'll look at where Lila and their performances in Europe and we'll realise just how good a performance and result that was and that was away from home AC Milan I think there was a period of time where we were maybe chasing the 2-2 yeah, granted, AC Milan took the foot off the pedal, but we couldn't uh, keep the, the door. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. We're locked at the back, unfortunately, and we lost that. And then we just completely capitulated against Sparta Prague. You're then looking at what can we take from the group? Could you could you actually beat Sparta Prague uh, away from home? I think you're pushing it there. Could you get anything uh, against Milan away? You would be pushing it. Lille at home, you know. So, although Neil Lennon is maybe resigned to the fact that we're getting knocked out, it certainly isn't the kind of message you want to be sending out to the fan base, is it? And the players as well moving into these games. There's been a suggestion during the week from one of our panelists that we should. Uh, maybe field some of our untested players in games such as that. Uh, I would much, much more um, likely use that opportunity, the League Cup, to play players that are maybe not playing. I certainly wouldn't do it in Europe. Um, but one of the big players the other night, and everybody's seen the, the aftermath, obviously, of Ryan Christie's performance and goal, and indeed his after-match uh, interview, which was very emotional. Uh, Joe Porter comments, the world now loves Ryan Christie. Uh, it's true, primal scream, Liam Gallagher, everybody was tweeting about him. Can he get love from Celtic and a new contract that merits his worth? It would be a crime if we lose him to a Burnley or Rain. And I think the big issue, and this is always been a problem. I mean, you go back to the days of Lou McCarry playing for the uh, international team in Dalgleish and they're talking to their, uh, the players who have moved down to England and they're on much bigger wages. So this is always an issue. We know that Christie is friendly with uh, Armstrong and uh, Kieran Tierney who are on vastly superior wages um, to Ryan Christie. He'll be looking over his shoulder and thinking, well, I could get a bit of that, especially if the club um, aren't giving him what would make him one of the highest paid players. Now, when you look at uh, the Ryan Christie situation, Dan, do you think that's a priority for Celtic to offer that guy something that would ensure that he stays at Celtic Park? It definitely should be, as you said, the world's eyes were on him uh, the other night, especially his post-match interview. Uh, I think it's a really good point to bring up like say, Kieran Tierney and Stuart Armstrong because I think guys like not only Ryan Christie, but like Callum McGregor as well, they'll be looking down at these guys and seeing them thriving and like the way our club's going, like if we are going to crash out of Europa League, they'll maybe think it is time for themselves to move on. And obviously, with the precarious way the world is just now, they might they might want to seize the opportunity while they can. And I remember Ryan Christie in the summer speaking about a contract and saying that he was just want to focus on his football and get through. But obviously, the longer it goes, the more. Uh, the closer he gets to the end of his contract and you just worry that if you will get to a situation where similar to Stuart Armstrong where a bid will come in mm. in late June or that and you'll sell him to the likes of a well obviously Stuart Armstrong went to Southampton but uh, so especially like if Ryan Christie's really been a mainstay for the last two years in Celtic should really be looking to reward him with that and give him a, like, a valuable first team player salary when you look at that, Anthony, are you surprised at the flack that he gets? I know that, uh, obviously, another player of that ilk that gets the kind of criticism is James E. Forrest. He seems to be uh, lauded when he's not playing, but Christie gets a lot of stick, does he not? He does. I think he gets stick for being greedy, and sometimes it is wanted. Some of his shots are 
go a bit haywire. But if you look at the um, the semi final, our last year's Scottish Cup uh, against Aberdeen, if he isn't greedy, we don't go one 0 up early in the game and take control and then score quickly after that. I think Christie's a very important player. Um, well, the last big contract we offered was Odson Edward in the summer. We heard that it was this great contract. He's never signed it. We don't know what's happened there. That's just went completely quiet. Um, we don't know what kind of terms the club can offer. I'd like to think we would give Christie a new contract, but if he's not a Celtic fan and he's looking, maybe if a, a Southampton or a Brighton or somebody come in and say, we'll triple your wages, mm. come down here, make sure we stay up, score a couple of goals, few assists, and live a, an easy life. Up here's definitely no easy when... You're under a lot of pressure, you're expected to win every game, you're only two games away from everybody getting called into question, so you don't know if, even if they did offer it, does he want to stay, it's hard to tell, um, but I'd like to keep Christy, I think he's a, definite, his energy is, is incredible, uh, the way he presses the ball, I thought it was excellent for Scotland, um, in my opinion the only player better than him on the night was Callum McGregor, who I thought won every second ball, I thought he was immense as well, so no, you would like to tie these players down. But again, if somebody form does come in that, that can offer them European football and potentially better progression in the Europa League, does he look at that? I mean, it's it's difficult to say. I've not really heard that coming out for Celtic to say we're, we're maybe looking at giving him a new contract, but he's, he's certainly not a player we can afford to lose in, in January. I don't think we can afford to lose anybody at all. No, I, I totally agree with you, Anthony. And it is interesting because I take on board, uh, I've, I've been criticised for being a, a fanboy, a Ryan Christie <laughs> fanboy. Uh, I do take on board, yeah, there are occasions where he is quite a frustrating player, uh, but because he takes so many risks, he, do, he does create a lot of chances for Celtic. And when you're looking at games like the Kilmarnock game, for example, where we were bereft of any kind of creativity, uh, that's when Ryan Christie um, and his style of play comes into his own. I think even in the, uh, the replays the other night there, I noticed that someone was giving him dogs abuse when he's uh, players to the right when he wasn't passing the ball. Then obviously the ball goes in the back of the net. But the Scotland uh, team for today is Craig Gordon and goals. Kieran Tierney, John McGinn, Ryan Christie, Kenny McLean, Scott McKenna, Liam Cooper, Stuart Armstrong, Ollie McBurney, Liam Palmer, Andy Considine. And on the bench, XL, David Marshall's on there. We've got Greg Taylor on the bench. And we've also got Callum McGregor and Lee Griffiths also on the bench. So I take it Lyndon Dykes is suspended for that game. He's been a bit of a revelation, as you know, for Scotland. Didn't see that coming. I think... Um I've seen a lot of your fans saying we should have signed him now, but if you'd have signed him as opposed to a jetty at the time, then there would have been rise. Right. But no, he's, he's, he's done very well. Um, I think there'll probably be a lot of hangovers in that Scotland squad. They've probably been hitting the booze since Thursday. So I think um, a lot of credit goes to, to Scotland and Steve Clark. I was quite happy for them. Don't get me wrong, Celtic first um, over everything, but I was happy for Scotland. But mm. um, Ireland and Dykes has done very well, and I'd like to see him up against Maguire next year at the, at the Euros uh, down at Wembley. Oh, definitely. Now, we've got some um, suggestions around uh, Celtic, the team, how it's going to get turned around. Stephen Forbes, welcome back to the show, Stephen. You're commenting on YouTube. And if you are watching on YouTube, make sure that you do subscribe. It's all free, and we go out on a daily basis uh, on a Celtic state of mind. Did the Around not starting Motherwell, our Scotland contingent will be buoyed from reaching the Euros. Covid cases and injuries permitting, we are ready to push on and find consistency. And Patrick Murphy goes on to say we need more legs and solidity in midfield. Put Taylor at left back, Laxalt as a defensive midfielder, and McGregor and Turnbull in front of him. 
It sounds mad, but I think it would work. Think outside the box and uh, jog VY. Kalmak needs to be more advanced. Everyone forgets he's the best attacking midfielder in the league. Spends half the game filling in left back to cover for an advancing Luxol. Should be up there with him. Darren, what do we need to do with Callum McGregor to get the best out of him? We've seen what he can do the other night. We've seen it in a Celtic jersey, but we're not seeing it that often this season. Hey, no, definitely not this season, but I think it's Tony that coined it on our uh, podcast. He says you just need to take the shackles off Callum McGregor and let him just uh, be that player that we all know he can be. I think uh, the style of play we've played, it seems to be him and Brown are sort of playing the same position a lot of the time and Callum McGregor's not as far forward as you'd like to, but uh, I think he showed the other night how good a player he can be and for me he's the best midfielder in Scotland and we really need to... Like, if we are going to turn this around and get the uh, league and seal 10 in a row, it's, I think Cal McGregor's absolutely pivotal. Uh, as you mentioned, it's not been his greatest season. And like even in his post-match interview against Prague, he was questioning about uh, the sort of way the team was playing. So I think wh- whatever we do, we need to try and make Cal McGregor the central focus because he's just that talented a player. Oh, definitely. Now, when you also look at the comments coming in from Jog VY on YouTube, record goalie signing, Irish captain, Odson, who we fought tooth and nail to keep, and Turnbull, who we chased for two years, all started on the bench versus Motherwell. Nowhere near turning corners yet. Anthony, when you look at the Celtic side, and obviously we've had a, a wee period of international um, football where we've had a break, the next game's against Hibs at Easter Road. You know, historically one of the hardest t- uh, fixtures of the season. Actually, when Neil Lennon was in charge of Hibs, it was a particularly difficult fixture. What do we do? What do we change uh, going into that game? The manager. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know a lot of people. I get, I've read some of the comments. I see people still want to, to back Lennon, and that's fine. I get that. People back Lennon to the hill, and that's fair enough. But, uh, no, I think... Um, I think we need to move the ball quicker. When we move the ball quick, we're a, a much better team. See this passing for Ayer to Duffy, back to Duffy, and then out of play. It's garbage to watch. I think um, one of the, the key things this season, which was unexpected, was Tom Rogic getting back into the side. Yeah. But returning to the form that we, we remember, and he looks the same player he did during the Invincible season. He looks at such a great talent. He's run against Motherwell where he just glided up the pitch and put it in a plate for Christie was excellent. Um, the only thing we're missing for Augustine is goals. He's setting up a lot of goals, but I think as time goes on, he'll score more. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to utilise him. Um, I think Lennon's got a difficult job in terms of what's our best team and what's our best formation, because yeah. I don't think anybody knows that. I mean, you'd somebody there saying, do we maybe put out into midfield and put McGregor up the pitch? I think McGregor needs to be further up the pitch. I completely agree with that. Um Who's our best centre half pairing? Is it Iron Julian? Is it Beaton and somebody? I don't think Duffy's involved in that. Who's our best right back? Frimpong's went after boys. It may be Elhamid. Mm. So I think he's got so many decisions to make. Hibs will be a tough, a tough test. They're not in the greatest of form. I think they lost to Aberdeen just before the break, if I'm not wrong. So and they played in D today in the in the League Cup. So I think we need a, a quick start. I, I don't know if we've won at Easter Road in the league since it's been a while. Since they've come back up, I don't know if that's two or no. I, I know we beat them two in a yeah. week up. Yeah. Uh, last year when we played them there, I'm sure we drew one each. Um, one of the statos who are tuning in might be able to confirm that, Anthony, but I, don't I can't think remember. I've been since Lennon got them promoted at Easter Road, apart from the Scottish Cup, we beat them 2 0 when Forrest mm-hmm. scored in Brown, I think. Um, but 
I think when he, I mean, really, when you put the two squads up against each other, we're capable of blowing Hibs away. It's been our only complete performance this season is when we beat them really comprehensively at Celtic Park. Yeah. So I think you need to look to do that again, pin them back, put the pressure on, try and get early goals and, and put them to the sword. So it's a massive game. Um, if we win that comfortably, then you could maybe say, well, that's two really good domestic away performances are we turning a corner but I, I'm reluctant to say we've turned a corner because we beat Motherwell I'm afraid No I agree with that and uh, we're talking about stats here for a moment um, let's have a wee look at some comments being made uh, over the last 24 hours by John Barnes now obviously Barnes is a prolific um, Twitter poster um, he's not great on Twitter I've got to say because obviously he gets him into hot water from time to time but uh, he was good enough to give us a, a brilliant interview a few months back 90 minutes it lasted um, a couple of parts of that interview did have to be uh, edited out um, to save us from getting into some real hot water but it was a great interview anyway and uh, you can listen back to that to, on speaker iTunes YouTube etc but what John Barnes was talking about um, and what he pushes a lot is all around unconscious unconscious bias and uh, also the fact that black managers get less time than uh, white counterparts in terms of management. And he was talking about the, the win percentage that he had at Celtic, which actually wasn't all that bad when you look at the history books. Interestingly enough, when you look at the, the win percentage, going into the Rangers game, Neil Lennon was sitting in his second tenure, uh, at Celtic Park he was sitting at 80% which was the highest win ratio in the history of the club now seven games later it's plummeted down to 75% uh, but he's still in the highest echelons he's up there with Martin O'Neill and uh, with Jock Steen um, overall if you put his two tenures together Anthony he's sitting at 71% which is still in the higher bracket and people go back to these figures all the time and say well you know, he deserves to stay there because of his record. But I go back to the point I made at the top of the show. The biggest, the, the key issue that I have with this is if there are issues behind the scenes and we're not going to start a rumour or start gossip or do what Chris Commons or Chris Boyd does and just make things up. Let's base it on what Neil Lennon has actually said. That players want to leave and they have done for some time and after... Uh, the most recent game that a culture change is required, these players are lazy and they lack desire. So throw that into the mix and it doesn't matter what percentage you come up with. If you have a group of players that are not performing or even trying because if you're calling somebody lazy uh, and lacking desire, they're not trying for you, then we really do have an issue. And uh, I agree with you, beating Motherwell 4-1, uh, and by the way, if they had a decent uh, forward uh, on that particular day, it could easily have been 2-2, 3-2, 3-each. Uh, we could have lost another couple of goals. I mean, they, they did cut through our defence particularly easily, as did Ross County when we beat them 5 nothing. So I, I have some serious concerns, and people are coming in and saying, yeah, Lenny can turn it around. That's from KMXSweet44 on Twitter, um, who then asks a question, and this is a massive question, but who would you bring in? Now, I don't like... Um, you know, saying, oh, we should bring in this one or that one because Neil Lennon's the, the manager in charge at this moment in time. But I think one thing that would be certain is that if anyone goes, they all go. And that means the whole coaching squad. Would you agree with that? Aye, absolutely. I, th I hate that question, who would you bring in, as if for some kind of diddy club that can't attract managers. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I said before, get Eddie Howe in. And that was just a throwaway comment. And I heard about how he failed at Burnley. 
but we seem to forget we've got a guy who was sacked by Bolton and Hibs, but people just forget about that to kind of suit their agenda. I mean, we could, we must be able to attract managers in the middle of a big season. You say, come in, you've got seven months or whatever it is, turn that around, you're really just three points, four points behind if you win your game in hand. You need to be able to outsmart Steven Gerrard tactically because the current manager doesn't seem capable of doing it. And then you win the league, essentially, and you'll be doing in history. I mean, Eddie Howe done a tremendous job at Bournemouth. Last season didn't go well for him. I've seen people talk about Slavin Bilic. Um, I've seen people talking about O'Neill and Strachan, mm. who both kind of lost the last two leagues they went for with a couple of games to go. Um, but I've seen people mentioning them. Um, as I said, some, some people suggesting Roy Keane. I certainly wouldn't have him. I think no. he's a crackpot. Uh, good good value for TV, but you certainly know the, the, the cool head we need for the 10. But I, I think we must be capable of attack. It's no, it's not the fans' job. Just because we want to change manager doesn't mean we have to go out and recruit the new manager. That's the Celtic board. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Paid very, very well. To, um, to come up with suggestions. You would like to think they're planning already for um, any new manager if it's required. So that, that, that's up to the board. But just because we don't know exactly who should be the the new manager doesn't mean we should put up with the current manager because the performances have, have been garbage. No, I, I agree with that. And when we're talking about managers, you're absolutely right. I mean, yes, we've not performed well in Europe this season, but it's not as though we would be struggling. It's not as though that you know people wouldn't be interested in this job. And now, any suggestion you make of a so-called elite manager, and Jim Moore made a really good point on Friday, what is an elite manager? What makes an elite manager elite? Um, is that what we're looking for? Was Brendan Rodgers an elite manager when we brought him in? I think, yes, he was. Jim might argue that you know he hadn't actually won enough to, to be classed as an elite manager. I think Brendan Rodgers is an elite manager in terms of that big C-word culture, the culture that he brought into Celtic was a step up from the culture we had seen perhaps under Ronnie Dyla and uh, Neil Lennon before him. So the, the actual elite tag isn't just about you as a manager and, and what you have won already, but it's also about a mentality and it's about a culture that you bring into the club. And I think everybody's seen that when Brennan Rodgers came in. Could we get someone like that? Well, where was Brennan Rodgers when we brought him in? He was unemployed. He had failed at Liverpool. 
Um, he had been on the up and up, which got him the Liverpool job, but then ultimately he failed as a manager of Liverpool and he was unemployed. Now, you know, is that the type of manager uh, that would get Celtic fans interested or excited? Well, there's plenty out there that I think they would. I've heard a few names myself. Does Celtic have a contingency plan? Well, they've got to, don't they? Um, a business that size, they've got to know what happens if we do win 10 in a row, if we don't win on a 10 in a row, there should have been a plan in place. Does that plan come forward? When you look at it, Darren, do you think it would be uh, too much at this stage uh, and it would actually add to the problems if we were to change the entire coaching staff? Uh, I don't think so. I think if it could give them a bit of a shot in the arm, you often see when a club brings in a new manager and coaching staff, it sort of gives a sort of short-term boost uh, to everyone at the club. It would be fresh ideas like... Uh, Tony mentioned Eddie Howe, like I've watched videos of him in his coaching sessions and he looks like a great motivator. Uh, like, as you say, Rogers was absolutely a top-class manager and as much as uh, Rogers was a Celtic man and came uh, to the club that he supported, like, he was there to rebuild his reputation and yeah. ultimately get his way back to the Premier League, which he has done. And uh, just look at him now, he's top of the Premier League with Leicester again. And I, I think it's absolutely... Uh, ludicrous to say who would you replace uh, Lennon with that's not really a reason to keep Neil Lennon in a job like I think that every time the Celtic job comes up you hear so many high profile managers getting linked to it or linking themselves with it like towards the end of the treble treble season you had guys like Mourinho Benitez all getting linked and mm-hmm. Benitez came out and spoke after it saying that it's a job he would, he would uh, be quite interested in at some point so don't know if maybe Rafa's done uh, his business over in China, if he would maybe fancy it, but I just think, as I said earlier, with the magnitude of the season, it's, you can't really take a chance that it's going to turn around. I know uh, somebody commented earlier saying, was Motherwell not a turnaround? But this season we've had so many games like that where you think, like people say, oh, the performance in Lille, that'll be the turnaround, but then mm. like, they then went with drop points at Pataudry and uh, then obviously the Sparta Prague game as well, and like it's been too much soft start. This team really needs to like because when we come back from this international break, the team really needs to go on a winning run because yeah. like it's non-stop now. Because you like as you mentioned earlier, like everybody seems to count on Rangers having a bit of capitulation, and there's no winter break this year, and the fixtures are just going to come fitting fast. And I, I, I appreciate what people were saying earlier about the uh, rest of the Europa League, like we're playing sort of fringe players, but. It's very disappointing to me that people are talking about that like, at this stage because as unlikely as it may be, we can still win three, the final three games and finish with 10 points and give ourselves a chance of qualifying. So obviously we put up a good performance against Leo who then in turn went and uh, won easily at the San Siro. So you don't know. Obviously that we'll find out soon enough when we play the second game against Sparta Prague. We, that's a must win. And we go from there. But Overall, like I know the draw for the League Cup quarterfinals today as well. Like when the when these next fixtures come, we just need to go on. We need to win. Like whether mm. that be with Neil Lennon or not, but we need to just go on some sort of run from now until we go to Ibrox in January. I just look at it, and I, I'm not living in the past. Before anyone comments, because I'm sure someone will comment saying that. Um, but I do remember the the famous quote from Jock Steen, you know, and it was a testimonial game, Anthony, and it was we don't play friendlies, and they actually used to play teams like Liverpool, Manchester United, as if it was a cup final. So at no point would I ever look at a European game uh, for Celtic as as a dead rubber and one that you could um, you know afford to lose 
You know, there's absolutely no way you could play an understrength side in Europe. And I think it's also important that for the momentum, if you're trying to build this momentum, because as Dan quite rightly says, we need to go on a run now. There's absolutely no more false dawns. We don't have room for that. And we need to go on a run. And um, part of that run is if you've got a game midweek, you can't just turn off and switch it back on. You know, momentum um, by its very nature, it needs to continue throughout every single game you play. And I think that's a, a big part of the European performances as well. I mean, if we start getting a wee bit of form together domestically and we go out and get hammered, um, you know, in the San Siro, how how good is that going to be for confidence? So, uh, moving into the the second part of the season, where where are we in terms of? I know that you are uh, of the view that Neil Lennon should be replaced. At what point do we seriously consider that as a club? Um, do we, like Kevin Graham has suggested, allow our allow us to play the Scottish Cup final on the twentieth of December and and then make a decision? Or you know, if the if the result of Easter Road is as poor as we have seen over the last seven. Is that when we make a decision? It's difficult to say. It's up to the club. I mean, we can sit and shout and ball all we like. It's not really up to us at the end of the day. Just just to touch on your, your European point, people saying that we should go to Sparta Prague and play a French side. Just to remind people, Sparta Prague came to Celtic Park. We put out one of our strongest teams. They played our reserves and beat us 4-1. If we go out there and play our reserves and they pull, play their full-strength team, what's the score going to be? You can't afford to be playing French players against these teams because they're obviously good, they're obviously well coached mm-hmm. and they would probably give us a, a damaging defeat, as you say. You want to build up a bit of form just because we've had a poor start to the Europa League campaign. I'm not willing to just let the the manager and the players off for just having three other bad results because it's gone. I just don't think that's the standards we should be aiming for. There's three games there to be won. You win the three games, you qualify. Mm-hmm. So I think we should st- certainly be trying to make a go it. And I, as I say, it coincides with domestic form. The bit better you play in Europe, but a good performance in a sincere, a fight and draw, that gives you a boost. That reminds you, look, you're still a good outfit. Beating yeah. Lille at home, beating Sparta Prague away. If you can put in a performance there, there it builds confidence and then hopefully continue that on. I, I think the, the way the board will look at it just now is if we can get Lennon to win his own treble, and then if he did somehow win the league, they could twist the narrative kind of thing. Um, I was reading some of the comments there, and it was, again, people saying, what is Eddie Howe won? Brendan Rodgers hadn't won anything before he came in as well. No. But as I say, some people are just always going to support Lennon. And don't get me wrong, if Lennon stays, we'll be right behind him. We want Lennon to win the league more than anybody. We want Lennon to succeed. But we've watched it. We've sat and watched the performances. I know. And that's why there's no a debate whether he should go or no. I mean... It's clear to see the performances have now been up to standard. He said he said, we can't kind of kind of look back and think of what's happened in the past. This is now the present. You're only as good as your your last game. Um, so, no, I think um, I don't. I don't think they're going to sack Lennon regardless. No, I think if they were, they'd have done it after Sparta Prague. Um, I, I hope we go on a run. I hope he proves us wrong. As I said the last time I was on here, I hope I'm sitting at the end of the season saying I'm an idiot. I don't know anything. Neil Lennon, 10 in a row, blah, 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 and I'll have a Neil Lennon mask on. But I'm living in, I think, I think we're living in the real world to see that there's serious issues at the minute. Yeah, you're right. I mean, um, again, when, when you have a podcast, and I want to talk about your podcast in just a second, um, I mean, we're broadcasting every single day. So everything that happens, every nuance of Celtic, uh, we comment on it and you give your view. 
Uh, and I find it incredible that when Celtic do get a decent result, someone comes in and the first thing in their mind when we've just beaten Aberdeen to get into the Scottish Cup final that might give us a quadruple treble is I better go and give Paul John Dyke's stick because he said Neil Lennon needs to get sacked. The same thing happened this morning. I go through the YouTube comments because you can't get through all of them on the live broadcast, but I try and answer as many as I can the following day. And somebody came on and said, well, didn't you say that you don't care less about Scotland? Well, no, I didn't say that. I actually didn't say that. What I actually said was um, that Scotland had been playing that night, but I was more interested in Celtic because, you know, uh, Celtic are my priority and they always will be. When it comes to Scotland, I love seeing Scotland doing well, be that Andy Morris, uh, Andy Murray at the tennis or even Stephen Hendry back in the day or John Higgins playing snooker. I love seeing uh, Scottish sports people doing well. So, no, I'm delighted that Scotland qualified. I won't be at any of the games, but we might cover them for um, a state of mind at some point along the way. But my biggest priority, and particularly when we're not doing so well this season, is Celtic, and it always will be Celtic. But on the subject to Scotland, this is an interesting one. JP, you're commenting on YouTube. And another reminder, get yourself subscribing on YouTube. We're heading towards 4,500 subscribers on there, but uh, our target is much bigger than that. Only thing worse than not signing Marshall uh, on a free was letting Gordon go on a free. Now, David Marshall was a player that Celtic were speaking to to bring him in, obviously, after we realised that big Fraser Foster wasn't going to come back. Um, great performance of the night by Marshall. It would have been a good move. He's obviously on massive wages. But today, Craig Gordon starts for Scotland. Um, have we made a, a, a bit of a boo-boo when it comes to the goalkeeper situation this pre-season? Uh, I think it's a weird one. I think that the club absolutely banked on Fraser Foster signing for them. I think there was a lot of confidence that that deal was going to get done. And then when it didn't, there was, I think they left it too late and Craig Gordon probably felt that his mind was made up and he didn't want to be a sort of afterthought. So he obviously took his opportunity to go back to Hearts and uh, fair play him. He's doing well, got him selling the Scotland team and as you say, starting today. Uh, David Marshall's it's a strange one. I know people are saying it now and but I was absolutely delighted for David Marshall the other night and uh, it's just, I, I, I think it's hard to criticise the club because it was what 15 years ago that the club decided to let David Marshall go and obviously he's come into the tail end of his career and like the club went and spent five, the best part of £5 million on a, a Greek international goalkeeper who had uh, Champions League experience, European experience and Aye, he's not. Barkas isn't come in and, uh, like, with the sort of commanding presence that Fraser Foster had, but I think in hindsight you could probably say, oh, we probably should have signed David Marshall or kept Craig Gordon, but I think at the time the club just sort of reacted to, like, I, I think they were generally shocked that Fraser Foster didn't return. I think they sort of counted on that, and I think they tried to do the right thing by spending uh, quality money on a replacement for him. You know what? I think. Also, when you look at the, the goalie we've brought in, I'm not writing him off yet. You know, I, I'm of the view that in order for us to have gone out there, and he's been on our radar for some time, and Stevie Woods was a big part in, in, bring him in bringing him in uh, because he uh, basically had, you know, viewed him and scouted him. And, and he was of the view that, you know, he could do a job for Celtic. And when you look at the goalkeepers that Stevie Woods has worked with, you know, from Boric to Forster to to Gordon and the impact that he's had on each of their careers as well. I think that Stevie Woods 
can work on Barkas and Barkas can turn it round. I mean, what is he turning round? Um, has he made horrific mistakes? Probably not. Has he been as commanding as we would have liked? I don't think he has. But then on the flip side, you've got an ever-changing defence in front of you. You've got Shane Duffy who came in almost to a hero's welcome and he has not lived up to that billing. So we, we looked at a, cent, a central defensive partnership as Julian and I are. One minute it's not good enough, but because they're not playing together and Duffy's not playing well, it's the dream partnership. But we've seen it when it wasn't working and we want it back. So I think it's quite unfair on the goalie. And I actually think that Barkas will be the number one going into the second half of the season, Anthony. What's your thoughts on the goalkeeper situation? Do we have enough there or do we need to actually strengthen there in January? I'd like to see Barkas get a bit of a run. Um, I don't think he's made any clangers. Clang at the knees, don't run your net. The one against Fenn and Varos didn't cover his selling glory, but you could look at Alhamid and see he was at fault for that as well. Uh, the one against Rangers, Connor Goldson's getting a free header mm. in our six-yard box. Again, probably should save it, but it's no, it's no one where I looked at right away and says, oh, that's a complete clanger. Um, well, we did change the goalie. Scott Bain came in, three goals against Milan, Four goals against Sparta Prague. I don't think the goalie's the issue. I think the defending's been the issue. Big Duffy's had a torrid time yet. Um, he was signed and he came up as the kind of second coming of Jesus. And um, he's, he's just not lived up to it. It just seems as though he can't do it and right. Uh, i seen even playing for Ireland the other night. He loses a header. Maguire scores England's first goal. So his form just seems to have just nosedived. Um, so I th- I'm convinced Barkas will start against Hibs. There's no way Celtic are signing a, a £5 million goalkeeper and then playing Scott Bain ahead of him. It's just the board won't allow that either. He, he'll play um, against Hibs and I think you will see him be the number one. Um, and I hope, he, I hope he comes into form. I certainly don't think he's been he's been terrible. I don't think he's to blame for any of the, any of the results at all. Um, I think he's just became a bit of a scapegoat. Um, but... I mean, if you'd have signed David Marshall for a free as opposed to this guy, I mean, the, the less you play for Celtic, the better you become. I've seen people say we should have kept Johnny Hayes. Johnny <laughs> Hayes was hopeless for us. He wasn't a good player. He tried, which seems to be a big thing. If you're Irish and you try, then you get a kind of pass. He did try and he was he was okay, but he wasn't a, he wasn't a great player. Lustig, people say we should have kept him. He he was his legs were gone. Time as well. for him to go. No, you're and right. Craig Gordon as well. Think of the clangers he had in Europe. He was public enemy number one at some stages, and now it's, oh, we shouldn't have let him go. So it's easy to say that. I mean, the board deserve a lot of criticism for a lot of stuff, but no signing Davy Marshall on, and no signing London Dykes, for example. I don't think that's something they deserve criticism for. No, I mean uh, Paul Bosas, welcome to the show, Paul. Your comment on Facebook. Uh, you're talking about culture. Dyla tried to change the culture, but couldn't get the players inside. Rogers was a revelation. Um, yeah, you're right. We did try and change the culture, but I would ask the question: Why did it need changing? Is it because the manager he was taking over um, had a culture at the club that needed changed? I would suggest probably yes. Has it gone so forward, so much forward, the, the, the changing culture that Neil Lennon's come in? And his culture's different from the squad that he's inherited, potentially. You look at the players that were brought in, we've brought in six players this season, um, three of which came from the EPL. Are they used to the culture that perhaps Neil Lennon is implementing at Celtic? Who's to know? Who's to say? But these are all the questions. One uh, question uh, going on to your point there, Anthony, about players getting better when they're not playing. One player I would like to see a wee bit more of is David Turnbull. Uh, You've been surprised... Darren, that uh, we've, we've not seen as much a Turnbull as we might have expected? Uh, definitely, because 
like as was mentioned earlier, like it's not a player that we've just went after this summer. We've been after him for the best part of a year, two years. Uh, obviously had his injury issue at the start of last season, but he fully recovered from that. And like I think everybody was delighted when we got the signing done. And like the our midfield three's been sort of chopped and changed a lot, but Tumble seems to be the one that's not getting back in. Obviously, guys like Encham, uh, even Sorrow come on. Like, but Tumble, like, he had a few. I think he had a wee uh, a short spell against Rangers, but like since like the last three or four games, like he's barely barely been seen. And uh, I'd I'd be quite happy to throw him in uh, to the game at Easter Road because he's that sort of spark of energy that you really need. And uh, probably similar to Ryan Christie in a way where. He's always looking to start to get something happening, and he's, I've been disappointed because Tumble someday I've got a lot of hopes for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we all did. I think we all did. I mean, he started one game, didn't he, against St. Johnston? Um, he wasn't particularly good in that game, but Celtic weren't good in that game, and he's not had much minutes ever since then. You know, when you're looking around uh, the Scottish game, we have been able to bring in players um, and mould them. And Ryan Christie is the, the case in point. He's a he's a, a young player that came in from Inverness Cali. And um, for me, he's one of our most important players. Uh, some people were talking about Lewis Ferguson being in that kind of mould. Uh, but the other one was David Trumbull. We've got him and we're not utilising him. Um, what I'm going to ask you guys is, uh, tell me a wee bit about your podcast. Tell me about Four Tims and a Pod. Um, what inspired you to, to set up a Celtic podcast? And tell me about some of the high points since you started up. Yeah, we we started it, I think it was last July, and it was just after eight in a row, learning get the job, and we thought, well, nine in a row is a kind of historic season, why don't we, we talk about it, we like talking shite about the football, so we thought, why don't we record it and see if anybody wants to listen? Um, there's been quite a few highlights, I mean, our third episode, we managed to get Eric Sviachenko to come on the podcast, and we done a kind of interview with him, it was Darn that done it. And then since then, we've had loads of guests on, we had Lubo Maravchik, which was just incredible, just a... a ridiculous thing for us. We'd done a live show uh, with Tom Boyd in Kelly's Bar in Hibbert Street, which was brilliant as well, sitting getting pissed and talking to the guy at Stopped at 10. So we've had a lot of great guests, um, some of the kind of famous Celtic fans. We've done Tony Hamilton, the chief executive of the Celtic Foundation in the stadium. But most of all, I mean, I've always compared it to four guys in the pub talking about um, the football. There's probably some people listening think we might be drunk now or the people that don't like hearing bad stuff about Lennon. But I think if, if anybody listens back to when we won nine in a row, these episodes are still there. They're free to listen. We we heap praise on the team. We heap praise on Lennon. I mean, we got a review the other day. It says, if you want to hear negativity, whether we win, lose or draw, this is a podcast for you. And that's not true. We will praise the team. But we're certainly not going to get over and over be our Celtic supporters when things are going to pot. If we think things are not going well, then we'll, we'll come out and see it. That's how I would sum it up. I don't know about you, Dan, how you would see it. Aye, how have you enjoyed it yourself, Dan, and getting involved in the, the Celtic alternative media world? Oh, it's definitely. Like, I think we uh, we had a group chat and like we would always talk about Celtic and then we sort of, like Tony said, we sort of, we'll start recording and see if anybody wants to listen. Like, I think... Uh, Celtic fan media is second to none, I think, compared to some of the drivel you'll hear from the mainstream. Uh, we just thought, aye, let's go for it. And as Tony mentioned, we've had like, an Invincible and Eric Sviachenko, guys like Lobo. We've done a live show with Tom Boyd, had him on the podcast. Uh, had plenty, even, like, I know he's somebody that divides opinion, but we had a great, like, near-on, free-hour free chat with Craig Burley, who was absolutely fantastic with us yeah. early on as well. 
Uh, it's just it's been great. Like the reception we've got has been fantastic. Like as you say, we we don't really we don't like to speak on behalf of anybody. We just give our opinion, mm. uh, and we love hearing uh, back from people. As as we said after nine in a row, we done a fan phone in, and everybody was just it was superb. It was great getting to talk to people, and uh, it's been it's been fantastic. Like it feels like longer than a year we've been doing it. Obviously, it's close to a year and a half now, but it's been it's been really good. It, no, it's great. It, I mean, it's always great to see people getting involved in Celtic fan media, but what you're always looking for is is something that wee bit different as well. And I, I think when you're looking at interviewing ex-players, that's brilliant because it gives you that wee nugget um, of, you know, it's bespoke content. I mean, you've gone out there, it's proper journalism almost. You've gone out there, you've actually got your source. You're then, you know, um, trying to get as much out of them as possible. It can be difficult at times as well. And I think... You know, when a Celtic State of Mind started up, that was our key, was to try and get Celtic-minded people on the show uh, from all walks of life. And then this season, going for the, the 10 in a row, stepping that up to the live broadcast to get as many people's views as possible. Not quite a phone-in, because I think that could uh, be quite a difficult one to manage. But uh, obviously getting people just to come in through the social media channels and make as many points as possible. And then getting guys like yourself on, I think that's brilliant. I think it's great when there's this, um, you know, connection between two podcasts to, to push it forward as well. There's plenty to talk about. But the big thing for me as well is, you know, I don't think it is negative to be critical. You know, people might be screaming at the screen here. You've got to be critical if you want to maintain the standards. You think back to any time in the club's history, if you were just to sit back and, and toe the party line, you know, then you become sycophantic to the, the Celtic vehicle which obviously can never be negative towards the club so Celtic have got a weekly magazine which is astonishing in itself in this day and age still to have a weekly magazine and they've got their TV channel they've got all their social media channels etc and of course they've got to toe the party line they've got to give the message of the club they can never be negative to any of the staff or the management, or the or the directors, or the players, and that's fine, and everybody realizes that. But you've got to have the alternative, don't you? You've got to have that uh, that view, not the view as it was back in the nineteen eighties and nineties when it was a fanzine culture, and then the fanzine culture has gradually moved on to the alternative kind of media scene with regards to podcasts and broadcasts. But to then take that to the live um, the live platform as well, Anthony takes it to another level and I know that you had other plans for that didn't you just before the lockdown is that something that you're looking forward to picking back up once we get to some form of normality I uh, had two shows booked in with, with Danny McGrain and uh, Alan Thompson Danny McGrain was very close and then we, we kind of made the, a safety decision that it would be best to pull it um, so I uh, it's certainly something we would look to do I mean as I say we're just four guys that love talking shit about the football and we're very good at it I'm sure a lot of people would probably agree listening in um, so I would certainly look to get the live shows done again um, there seems to be a vaccine that's that's doing quite well now and kind of the late stages are being produced but how long that will take to be rolled out before kind of everything's ready to go I think, I think the main thing for, for everybody is to get back to, to Celtic Park so that will be a really emotional time when, when that time does come. Um, but I will certainly look to do to do more live shows and get more special guests as time comes on. And you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes and Podomatic and everything's free to listen. We don't charge or anything like that. Now, when... No, that again, that, that's a big one as well. To be able to create content and put it out there to the Celtic support, Anthony, free charge is massive. So, you know, fair play to you for doing that. And 
we strive to do that as well. And then you get criticised for having a sponsor. It's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, how else do you expect anybody to do it? If you can't finance it somehow, but we're not asking fans to put their hands in their pocket, which is massive. Uh, now, Kevin Graham, who obviously is um, on the show on a Monday. You think this is negative. I'm on tomorrow, hoarding my sugar-free iron brew. Kevin does have a, a knacky looking at the, the kind of... Um, the negative aspect of things and it's a trait that we all love him for but um, you know actually when you're looking at this season and you're looking at turning that around and I was all for a change in manager and Kevin was looking at keeping the, the gaffer I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a name out there right I'm not saying this is going to happen um, I'm not saying I'm in the know because plenty of people claim that online as well Anthony what if you're looking at a scale you're looking at a managerial scale and we're in a situation at some point in the season where the Celtic Board of Directors are looking at this scale of managers and down the bottom end you've got someone, and I don't mean he's a bottom end manager, but perhaps on a scale of Celtic uh, targets you're looking at someone like Jack Ross right now, very similar to what Tony Mowbray did before he came to Celtic, so you've got someone like Jack Ross and at the very top end of the scale you've got the fabled elite managers um, but I think uh, Darren made a very good point in that someone like Benitez was interested previously um, so I'm not going to name any elite managers because when I did before I was lambasted for that um, and somewhere in about that scale there's somebody like Alex Neil, right, so Alex Neil. if that was the appointment and that's something that Celtic had lined up after Lenny went and they were able to bring that plan forward would we be better keeping Neil Lennon? I don't know, to be honest. I don't really know enough about Alex Neil. He was Norwich, is that right? Uh, I think he'd done well with them. I've not really followed his career since. I know there was talk a few years ago that he'd probably be a decent appointment. Um, did he end up at Preston? Have I He's at up? Preston now, yeah. Um, He's obviously got an eye for a player, signed Scott Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for Danny for Pod, who's a massive Scott Sinclair fan. Um, how's he doing with Preston? I, I don't really know. Um, he's doing well. I mean, his he's, um, rise with Norwich uh, was quite incredible. And uh, it put me in mind of a young Paul Lambert, another guy who hopefully isn't on that scale. But it put me in mind of a young Paul Lambert, uh, obviously getting the promotion with Norwich. Um, was he unfairly... Sacked, well that's what happens down south isn't it If you get relegated you get sacked So that's what happened when he was at Norwich But I think he is a highly rated uh, manager down there Anthony And uh, by all accounts he has been quoted as a potential replacement I don't think it was something that anyone had envisaged um, That they would need to consider this season So what I'm saying is if that was a plan And they're bringing a plan forward Would Celtic fans be happier with him or to stay with Neil Lennon, and that's another consideration. I think the flat fans, the fans have all different opinions. That's a great thing. Um, some fans will keep Lennon over anybody because they love him and he's done so much for the club and think he deserves a chance to win the league. I can see that point of view. I completely disagree with it, but I can accept that's a, a, a point of view that some people have. Some people get, oh, what is he won? Um, it was with Hamilton Ackies, that's where he started. Um, yeah. Some people give it, oh, what is he won kind of thing, and that should be a reason not to get him. Some people want him higher, I can understand that as well. So there's so many different opinions and so many different ways the club could go. Um, I think at the moment the next game's going to be Hibs, and I think Lennon will be in charge. He needs to win that game. If he mm. doesn't, then you'll be having this conversation until something does happen, and it'll just be user negative podcasts or negative fan media's this, that, and the next thing, and people will just be at turmoil with each other, and it's it's no use for the club. I, I, my hope is Neil Lennon 
goes in a run. Now, that's what I would love. I would love to be proven wrong. That's what I want to happen. Um, if that doesn't happen, then we need to make the change soon. We can't. We can't keep going like this. It's just no sustainable. I don't think. Right, so let's have a wee look ahead to Easter Road then, Anthony, and I'm going to ask you both for a prediction. I'll start off with yourself. Anthony, what do you think the outcome of Hibs v Celtic will be? Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think if we play our best, defend well, 3-0 Celtic, I mean, there's no reason we shouldn't be beating Hibs. We shouldn't be nervous going into a game with Hibs. I know that sounds a bit self-entitled, but... In, in terms of the players we've got, Odson Edward, McGregor, Christie, somebody made a good point of the guys coming off the Scottish Scotland squad, mm-hmm. even like Sir Griffiths scored that penalty, they must be buzzing, they must be desperate to just keep playing games, so 3-0, that's a, I think that's a fair prediction, but I think it'll be a tough game, it could, it could go a different way, but I just don't want to give that prediction. Okay, I'd be much, uh, you know, I'd be delighted with that result. Darren, how do you think the, the game will go in Edinburgh? Uh, I think it'll be a tight game because although we beat them comfortably at Celtic Park, like Hink, uh, the boy Nisbet, he gave Shane Duffy a bit of a rough time that day as well and uh, we got the clean sheet but it sort of flattered Celtic I thought. Uh, Hibs are sort of, so it's one win in the last four so you're sort of think, you're hoping that they'll be a bit down on themselves but then, then again they'll see this as a perfect game to bounce back for them if obviously uh, they put in a good performance against Rangers at Easter Road earlier in the season, uh, but I think I think it's time that Celtic do finally get a league win at Easter Road. Like I know we only played them once in the league at Easter Road last season, but we drew one each. But we were denied two stonewall penalties that day. Uh, I remember Maurice Bauer getting uh, brought down. That should have been a penalty. I think mm-hmm. Ryan Christie as well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think especially with the Scottish boys coming back, they should be on a high. I think. It's really now or never for uh, this team, and I think I think we'll go and win two 0 I think we'll really we'll look to start to kick on uh, from what was a disappointing last run of games. Well, because like a sort of blind faith, but I feel we just have to now. Well, I'm hoping that he's a both right and we get a result. I, I always would hope that, uh, regardless of who's in charge of the club, uh, John McVeigh reckons Celtic will win two nothing. I'd love to see that as well. Um, now. You guys are welcome back um, on a Celtic State of Mind anytime. It would be good to do something regularly. And as we said before, when you're able to visit us in the studio, even better so we can get you up on the screen and we can interact with you that way. But thank you, everybody, for getting involved via Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. If you've been watching on YouTube and you enjoy what you're, you're watching, then make sure you subscribe. And all that's left for me to say is Anthony and Darren from Four Tims in a Pod. Thanks for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? 
Just stop. This is a 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 You've been in a relationship with your private student loans since college, but you're just not that same wide-eyed, studious freshman walking into the financial aid office as you once were. SoFi's here to remind you that it's natural for you and your student debt to grow apart. You've graduated and have new life goals to achieve, while your student debt is stuck living in the past. It's time to break up with your private student debt and move on with SoFi Student Loan Refinancing. With low fixed rates and no fees, it could help you save thousands. And as a SoFi member, you'll unlock membership benefits, including unemployment protection, financial advice, and more. Don't let your student debt hold you back any longer. Join millions of our members who refinance $30 billion in student debt. Move on with SoFi. Start by visiting SoFi.com slash refi today. That's SOFI.com slash REFI. SoFi, get your money right. SoFi student loans originated by SoFi Bank. Any member FDIC. Additional terms and conditions may apply. NMLS 696891. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.